millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I was like, yo, playing Pat, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. So we talk. I was like, yo, what you doing here? He's like, yo, some artist, Kid Cudi. Like, oh, shit. I was like, you work with me? He's like, yeah, man, some other DJs, da, da, da. I was like, aren't y'all signed to Fool's Gold? He's like, ah, uh, we did a 12-inch deal. I was like, oh, okay. So I got Pat's info. Then I saw Cuddy perform. I was like, holy shit. This is next level. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they move, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants Podcast. A podcast highlighting the superstars behind your favorite superstars in creative industries. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at, at Silent Giants Podcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well on Instagram at, at Corey Cambridge. Today on the show, we have a very special guest, AR Nigel Mack, the silent giant who signed music superstar Kid Cudi. In this episode, Nigel explains how he got his start as an A&R, how he signed Kid Cudi, and how he discovered and began to manage one of my favorite new artists, Drum. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the man of the hour, the A&R, the manager, the silent giant, my friend, Nigel Mack. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's nice to have you on the show. Oh, appreciate that. Man, we're just already starting off with stories. Oh, yeah. We haven't gotten to the interview yet. Stories. Stories. Stories on stories. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, how did you first get into music? Um, interesting. So I started out, this is back in Baltimore, like, doing street promotion stuff. But even before that, I was kind of doing the artist thing, like producing, trying to rap, but it's like, ah, it didn't work out. Were you any good? Ah, I think I was good. I think I had some bars. Is it, what was your, what was your rap name? Uh, no, I'll never say it. <laughs> Everyone from Drum to Cuddy, everybody's been trying to find this rap name. Like, I, I can't I swear, say it. I have a knack for Pat, research. Everybody man. has tried to find it. It's, it's the stuff is on YouTube too, which is funny. Oh, I will definitely, <laughs> I will, I will find this. You best believe this, this is going to come up, man. Everybody said that nobody's found it. If you find it, I'll give you props. Okay, okay. So I was like, I got tired of dealing because I was in groups. I was in all this stuff. But then it got to a point, I was like, man, like we would, me and my friend, we would have all these different managers and I, I knew more than the managers. I would ask them questions they could never answer. I was like, all right, this isn't working for me. So then I got into street promotions, started doing street promotions in Baltimore, D.C., and, you know, just did that. And that's how it started. How did the opportunity present itself for you to mm-hmm. become a manager? 
what, right. what, what was the what was the the magic moment for you uh, to say I should not be rapping and I should uh, not be I'm producing? I'm gonna tell you what happened. So I was doing street promotions, and at the time there was like there was a rapper named Tim Trees. He had a record called Bankroll, which is interesting because Tate Cobangs he remixed it. The record bank he put out was the original of the record I'm talking about. So that record blew up. And then another record came called Whoa Now. So I'm like, yo. Every club I went to, they were playing it. It had the Jeffersons in the in the beginning, moving on up. It was crazy. So I went to a DJ I knew. He was playing in the club. I was like, yo, who's who's this? He's like, oh, this is Be Rich. This is Whoa. It's, no, he didn't even say B. It was 80 Dimes. He's like, oh, this is 80 Dimes. Da, 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 da. I was like, all right, cool. So... I knew the producer, Dookie Man, who was a club producer, too. So me and Dookie connected. And I was like, yo, I love this record. So I just started sending it to all the DJs I knew. Da, 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 da. The record just exploded in Baltimore, and then it went to D.C. I sent it to Lonnie B. and all them in VA. Lonnie B. Yeah, and then it just started moving, and then it was like the label started calling. And at this point, I knew nothing about record labels. and All I knew was from doing street promotions. But I didn't know anything about deals and nothing. So I ended up being the manager and we ended up getting a deal at Atlantic. So and, that was wild. And, and what was that experience like getting that, that first deal? It was it was like it was scary, but it was it was amazing at the same time. Cause I totally knew nothing. I was on pure instinct, but it was dope at the same time because we got to go to LA to record the album. It was crazy. I mean, all these people that I never, I seen on TV, it was crazy. Or just being in places you see in movies, it was like, wow, this is crazy. It, w- it was definitely, one lesson I could take from it is, and I applied it to now, because one thing we did, which I applied to my career, we, the original record was raw, it was dope as shit. It was just like, just the drum and the, just, it was some straight Baltimore shit. But then, once we got to LA, the A and I was like, oh man, you should clean this up. Because now you're on a major label, we want to take this. And we we agreed when in hindsight we should have kept it the way it was. Cause it was raw. And I've learned in my career, it's like if something is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that's the the what I take from that. If we never changed it, oh my God. It was so fucking raw. So you you re you re-recorded the record? No, we we agreed to let them produce it up and it was crazy. They put banjos in, it was just Banjo says it all. Yeah, exactly. You didn't even <laughs> gotta hear it at all. But the original version was knocking. It was like crazy. And, and, so and like, did you did you fall in love with managing at this time? Were you like, man? Nah, it was by default. I just ended up doing it. So I got up here like 2000, yeah, like 2006, and didn't have any job, anything up here. I was just couch surfing, just trying to figure shit out. And then luckily, what happened, I got a call from an A&R at Universal Motown and Corey Roberts, who had reached out to me before about the Be Rich stuff. So me and him stayed in contact. So he hit me one day. He's like, yeah, you know, you're always bringing stuff in from the area. You know, anything, anytime there's something moving, you're always on it. We have an A&R position open. Would you want to apply? Like, not apply, but interview for it. I was like, I ain't got shit going on. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So... I interviewed, came back for another interview, maybe four months after that. But, but you, were, you were living in Atlanta? or were you living No, in I New was York? in New York at this point. Okay, where, I was where? couch surfing. Like, I ain't have no money, no nothing. I was straight just living off friends type shit. Literally. 
And so I went to the interview and then came back again a couple months later. Then I had I came in for a third one. Then out the blue one day, I was I was just somewhere in Jersey. I get a call from HR. They're like, would you accept this position? I was like, what position? They're like, because I had totally forgot about it. It took so long. They was like, oh, A&R research at Motown. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started March 2007. Well, and so what was that feeling like getting your first like A&R job? That shit was crazy. Because it was like, you guys then, you spend your whole life trying to get in this business at whatever capacity. And you spend your whole life wanting to work and make a living out of it. You spend your whole life getting fucked over, getting screwed over, fucked up this, dealing with shady people. And finally you get inside. So it's like a weird feeling. It's just like, cause I didn't, I didn't come in cause most people come in labels from college internships or connections. I'm a dude from Maryland who got an art job. You know what I mean? Couch it was surfing. weird. Couch surfing. That doesn't really happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I remember going to the first A and R meeting, everyone looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? Because I didn't have no connect nobody knew me. They were like, Who? Who is this dude? How do you even get in here? And so uh what was your experience like? What was your first day? Do you remember your first day? Yeah. Is it A and R? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit was funny. Because my first, my job was research. So I came in through the research department, which is basically at the time you would just watch what's going on online and like if something popped up on radio, we would actually physically make calls to the like the local chain radio not radio, but like record stores in the market, like, yo, is so and so asking about so and so artists? And you would compile reports. It was like a whole thing. So but just seeing sitting in these meetings and seeing like how it really works. It's, it's kind of bugged out, especially when you have no experience. You know what I mean? Were, were, you, were you nervous? Were you intimidated? Were you anxious? I wasn't intimidated. I was nervous. Only time I got, I'm going to keep it, keep it a buck. The only time I got intimidated is when I first met Sylvia Rome. She was my boss. And she didn't hire me, but Andrew Cronfeld hired me. He was the GM. Okay. So I never met her till we had this one first official a and And I, obviously, I knew who she was. So I'm sitting there like, whoa. That's when it hit me how real this shit was. I was like, oh shit, that's silly road. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like bugging out. You know what I mean? That was that mean I was because she's, you know, she's, she's she, no serious. joke. She's serious. Yeah, Sylvie's no joke. So I was sitting there like, damn. I mean, I didn't want to say anything stupid or crazy. I was just, I didn't say anything. I was just that. And also, too, what was uh for a lot of folks here? Uh, who probably listen to the show, mm-hmm. they're just common music lovers. So they may not know what an A&R does. But what was your day-to-day job as an A&R? Like, what is, a, what is the life What's of an, an A&R, A&R like? Do? What does an A&R do? I mean, you pretty much... Your, your main focus is to kind of comb through all... You're like the, the buffer between the record label and the artist community. And your job is to go out and find talent that makes sense to sign to the label to be monetized to make money. Okay. To make a profit. But you also, you got to really understand culture. You got to understand, like, what people like, what people don't like. It's like a balance. It's like you got to really be in. You got to really have aptitude for music and people and culture to really be great at. 
You know what I mean? A lot of people do A&R sometimes and they do it because they don't really respect the culture or know or into music. They just go by what's hot. So they just jump around. But the key is you got to really love music and just really have a general love for it. And so <clears throat> you hey, you wet behind the ears. You're this new A&R. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the next step for you in your career? Ah, okay. So, 2008. But who was the first artist you signed? Isn't it? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yo, you were here so (laughs) (laughs) You know, the very first artist I signed, because I was doing research, I signed this. He was like a MySpace kid, like on some Disney shit. His name was Jimmy, Jimmy Roberts. Okay. Who's now popping in Nashville now. He's like a huge songwriter, but... Because he was on MySpace, his numbers were crazy. And I, I, I played it in a meeting and showed it. And they were like, oh, yeah, fly him in. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, okay. And they did the deal. Wow. What was that feeling like signing an artist, like discovering an artist and signing an artist? It was cool. It was cool. Because it was like, it's like, wow, I'm really doing this. But then the single deals I did, I did... <laughs> Pop it off, boys. Crank that Batman. That was you? Yeah. Oh, shit. Them getaway boys. I'm a G. My favorite one was Jackie Chain rolling. Wow. So Jackie Chain. You know what's dope about Jack? Jackie was on all the shit that's on now with the drugs and all. He was on that back then. And then I put Cuddy on it. There was a remix featuring Cuddy. I put Cuddy. It was right around when I we were doing the deal. I was like, yo. Cause I was in studio cutting back. He was like, we were just talking about shit. And he was like, well, who else you work with? I was like, yo, Jackie Chan. He was like, yo, I love that song, that rolling joint. I was like, yeah. I was like, you want to fuck with it? He's like, yeah. And he just jumped on it. Word. I can't feel the left side of my face. Stressful thoughts have been replaced with any and coke and Jaeger main. Jackie told me pump my brakes. I told him pass me something to pop. Told me not to smoke my weed. I, I should listen not to smoke. Grabbing models by the arm. I told him to fuck with no man. And so was was Cuddy one of the first one of your first early on signings? Yeah, but that was the yeah that was the first official official sign. So so I, how did that come about? Like, all right, I would tell you this is a wild story. Well, it's not wild. It's it's a fun story. So I was trying to sign Ridgely Kid's sister. She was on Fool's Gold. Okay. So I was meeting with Nick. Nick came through. He's playing me stuff, and I was like, "Yo, what's up with the the Cuddy dude?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, you know." I, he's like, "Yeah, we just put out day and night." And we're going to put up the 12 inches and da 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 I was like, all right, cool. So I'm thinking he signed the fool's goal, so I kind of just fall back for a minute. So fast forward, like, maybe like six to eight months, I go to fool's goal CMJ showcase. So I get that because Kid Sister, this is so funny, Kid Sister was the headline. Opening up was Cuddy and Cool Kid. So I'm there to see Cuddy. I'm, I'm really there to see Kid's sister. I knew about Cool Kids. I fucked with it. And I knew about Cuddy, and I wanted to see him too. But I was really there to see that. So I see Pat there. I was like, because I knew Pat, because he, he signed his kid from Baltimore too. I was like, yo, playing Pat, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. So we talking. I was like, yo, what you doing here? He's like, yo, that's some artist, Kid Cuddy. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, you work with him? He's like, yeah, man, some of his DJs, da, da, da. I was like, aren't y'all signed to Fool's Gold? He's like, ah, we did a 12-inch deal. I was like, oh, okay. So I got Pat's info. Then I saw Cuddy perform. I was like, holy shit. This is next level. Because you can see it then. Like, 
it was going to be something different. So I just stayed in contact with him, stayed in contact. Then they started working on the mixtape, him and Emil and Pat. And it was just, a, it took like a year and a half. Because things, it's, I think right when the mixtape dropped, that's when things got, that's when Cuddy just excelled. And and then, so, what was the first time um, uh, hearing Day and Night? Do you remember the first time hearing Yeah, it? I heard it on MySpace. Damn, MySpace. I first heard a lot on my. I first heard cool kids on my spit. Everything was on my spit because we. Every, that's that's where it was. You know what I'm saying? And so, were, were you around during the process of making the the mixtape? Nah, I I knew Pat, but I wasn't in the studio when they were making it. They, okay. I knew I was around when they were making it. I knew they were making it, okay. and I was trying to do something then. But it was hard, you know. So the remix blows up. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Crookers Crookers. Yeah, it's huge. And that's when... Motown's lights when they were like, oh, well, let's figure it out. I was like, yeah, I've been trying to tell you about him for like a year. But all right. So that's when we just started really. That's when, you know. The deal came about. Yeah. And so what was it like uh, telling Cuddy, like, hey, man, we want to sign you? Because did he have other offers at the time oh, on the table? Yo, you know what's all about Cuddy? And this is not even exaggeration. Every single label on the planet, I'm talking every label was in on it. Everybody. Because you got to remember, he was the first. Nobody was doing what he was. He was, Cuddy was the paradigm shift to where we're at now. Nobody was doing what he was doing. It was uncharted territory. So when he, when it blew up culturally and it blew up online and then it, then the remix reacted, people didn't. People were like, what the fuck? He was touring the world with no deal. He was popping. So every label here, the Europe, everybody was trying to do it. And so, so no, it was very... Yeah, it was super competitive. What, why do you think that he signed with you and, and not another? You know what it was? Label? It's funny because Pat and Emil, they always, we always joke about Because I was so junior, I didn't, yo, my, my, my expense was like, expense card was mad low. I took, you know what, the first dinner I took, <laughs> I took it to, it wasn't even cafeteria. What's the spot in Union Square? Restaurant? Yeah, the restaurant. It's uh, it's not. It's like cafeteria. It's like a diner. Oh, yo, wait, a cafe, a cafe, coffee shop, coffee shop, coffee shop. I took them to the coffee shop. They always <laughs> give me shit over there. They're like, yo, people was taking us on like crazy dinners, and you take us to coffee shop. <laughs> they get you like a burger, a diner burger, right? Because that's all I could. And also, the service there is yeah. terrible. They yeah. all, they hire like models, right? Exactly. Service is trash. No, nah, but it was it was relationships, and I was because 
they all knew Pat Cuddy and Emil knew I really cared and I really want to see this through. And I understood where Cuddy represented and how real it was. You know what I mean? And they took a risk on me because I didn't have anything. I didn't have any big artists behind my name. I was like this junior A&R guy. Wow. You and, know? and so what was it like? Were you in the room when they signed the contract? Are you, as an A&R, are you there when they signed the contract? It, it depends. Sometimes you are, sometimes you are. When he signed it, I'm trying to remember if I, mm, yo, damn. Was I in the room? I was, when we got the word they accepted the offer, I was with Sylvia. That was like around, I remember it was like November, because it was about to hit December. Yeah, so it was around that time. I don't think I because he signed at his lawyer's office. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, what is the what is the role once an artist is signed to the label? Mm-hmm. So Cuddy's now signed, and what is the role that you take on with him post signing? You're like the A and R's, like the in you're like the in between. So are, are you like, are you deciding like uh, what songs go on the record or on the album? Nah, that's or, all the artist decisions. That's all the artist decisions. You kind of the role of A and R, you help them put the whole thing together. Okay. You know. Okay. You have different types of artists, though. You have some artists where you have to put their records together. You have to bring in writers, and you have to do da, da, da. I don't work with artists like that. Okay. I, do, I, I know my strengths and my weaknesses. Like, the best artists for me are ones who have a vision and know what they want, and I help them put it together. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so like, how did and that... The dope thing about Cuddy, yo, it was ill, because, like, we first did our first session. He had all the shit mapped out. It was wild to watch because he's like, yo, we're going to do Man on the Moon 1 and going to do Man on the Moon 2 and this is what it's going to be and we're going to do the narrative. I was like, damn. I mean, he had it literally. It was all mapped out. And what was it like seeing an artist, um, I mean, like, like Cuddy, just become the biggest thing in, in music? It was, it was surreal because when you're making the records, we knew it was special, but we didn't know it was going to hit like that. Like, it was like, whoa. I was like, but watching it, like being there while it was being made and being in the studio, yeah, it was dope. Man, and so uh, how did that signing change your career after, you know, after um, It changed it. It changed everything because everyone associates me with Cuddy, you know what I mean? So all the artists after be like, oh, you know what I mean? So and that's the beauty of A&R. You always are associated with what you sign. If you signed a lot of corny shit. You're attached you're corny to corny shit. <laughs> you signed some dope shit. You're dope. Wow. That's why someone like hip hop is a OG, like a legend. Because come on, it's hip hop. Look right. what he's done. Kanye, Jay, like huge megastars. And hip hop's cool as fuck. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like someone like that, you're like, oh, okay, I'm cool. I would do a deal because he he knows his shit, and that's what. That's what you, as an A&R, your whole career is based upon. What is it about you mm-hmm. that allows you to discover new talent? Because you obviously have a magic, nah, I wouldn't magic say touch, it's... modest touch. Nah, you know what it is? I wouldn't even call it a mindset. I just love music. And I gravitate to artists who I feel like have something special in them who could really, it's, just, it's hard to describe. Like certain people, you could just see it in them like, or you could hear it. Like, yo, this is going to be... This could be, this is different. And so, uh, how did it come to be that you were introduced to drum? All right. So, I leave Universal 2014. I was there for like seven years. I was like, all right, so let me figure something else out. 
So I got into management. So I started working with this group from um, Virginia, Sonny and Gabe. Super dope. Sonny and Gabe are like next level. So one day I'm chilling. Gabe, Gabe hits me. He's like, yo, I'm working with this dude. I think you should hear it. I'm doing his mixtape, One Epic Summer. He's ill. He can sing. He can rap. Da, da, da. I was like, all right, cool. Send me the mixtape. He sent me the mixtape. I was fucked up. I was like, whoa. I heard Cha-Cha on it, and I was like, nah, Cha-Cha's dope. It's cool. But when I heard money, I was like, yo, get him on the phone, please. Woke up this morning like, woke up this morning like I'm finna make a million, finna make 20,000 at the pavilion. And they screaming for me, I dream for the feeling. Can you feel it? I just left from Gabriel's. Making music on my way to Katie goes. We be cooling like So he got drama on the phone, and we started talking. And then at the same time, a part of the Tune Day had reached out. I didn't even know Tune Day had reached out. Tune Day reached out. Cause he he had, he had heard him, so we all connected. You know what I mean? So I started working with him. Like yeah, me and Tunde started working with him like 2014, and it was dope because it's a real artist development story, and it's a story of a real artist that like started from zero to like now. Look where he's at now. You know what I mean? And then when I first, and then when I met Drum, I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna. He's he's a star. He's gonna work. Yeah. What, what was the what was the first time meeting Drum like? He came up with uh, Sonny and Gabe. Well, it's funny. The first time he had, it's funny. He told me so. The first time I actually did meet him, I didn't know who he was. He I met with Sonny. Sonny and Gabe came up to New York. and Drum was with them. But the time I the second time I actually met him as Drum, he came up with his cousin Mass, and I think Gabe came up, and we were all just at my crib, and then. I had set up some stuff for CMJ. He did his first New York show. So when I seen him perform, I was like, oh. And that was my first time seeing Sonny and Gabe perform, too. I was like, oh, this shit is going to, this VA, this is the next wave. This is like the next, they're taking the, they hold the torch from what, from Pharrell, Timbaland, Eclipse. This is the next wave, and it is. Virginia has this beautiful thing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's in between Exactly. The South, yeah, <laughs> in New York, <laughs> right. So there's like the lyrical ability and like right. the the skills as mm-hmm. a as an MC, but also like a soulful element as well. Yeah, to where it's 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 pop, yeah. but it can cross over, but it's still urban. Mm-hmm. I mean, very similar to Pharrell and very similar to Timbaland. A lot of cats from Virginia Beach, Hampton yeah. Roads area. You mm-hmm. know, Newport News. Shout out. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, what is the process when you have an artist? Um, that you see potential in? What are the first steps you take as a manager to get that artist to, to kind of um, take off? You kind of, you just got to put a plan together. You got to, you, you assess it like, okay, let's get all the, let's figure out, well, what's the next steps? We're going to put an EP out. We're going to put a project out. You get all the content together. You're like, okay, we're going to shoot some visuals. You get the visuals together and you formulate a plan. Okay. Okay. I never, I always got to work with a plan. I can't just freestyle like, you got to have some type. Even if something doesn't look, every, when things look organic, trust me, there's a plan behind it. You got to have content and all. You got to roll it out and it's the whole thing. And, and do you enjoy being more of an executive or more of an A&R? I enjoy I mean, the an executive side more. more of a manager more. Uh, I don't, they're both cool, but I'm more, of the crea- I'm more of a creative, so I guess I lean more towards the A&R side. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Um, I guess what makes a great manager is like, you just have to be organized and focused and 
have a plan and just know and really know what you're doing. Cause I, there's really no exact answer to that. You just have to be on point, I guess. Yeah, you can't be with the artist, getting lit <laughs> and off the shits. You gotta be somebody. Gotta be focused. Is is there a manager that you look up to that you think that you've met? You were like, yo, I like moving like this guy. I like the way he moves. Or uh, was there was there ever a mentor that you had in the industry? Kind of seemed like you kind of nah, you, you kind of stumbled into. Yeah, I never had a mentor. I wish I did. I never had a mentor. You are now currently. Yeah, yeah. What what are you now currently, sir? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm back at Republic VP of Urban A and R. Okay. Yeah, so that's dope. So, you know, working with Cuddy again, about to sign some new stuff, helping out with some of the stuff on the label. So it's dope. And what what mistakes have you seen artists make? Ooh. Well, the biggest mistake I've seen artists make is forget it. Okay, I'll give you an example. Like, I've seen artists make the mistake of before a deal or before you become you pop off, whatever. I see a lot of artists make a mistake. As soon as they get a deal, they switch up. I'm like, yo, stay. Or when you get a deal, you don't change. You expand on what you what you already are doing. Just make it bigger. You don't do a 360 and be like, now you have a budget. Oh, I'm going to go work with this. Person. I think people change their sound up too fast sometimes. I've seen that. And I've seen people... Like, you got to also make sure your management is good. Don't just have anybody manage you. Like, okay. Is, is it good for a manager to be uh, a person that you kind of grown up with? Or is it better to have, like, an external manager that... If it's someone you grew up with, that's cool. As long as they're organized and focused, that's fine. Okay. But I think the smart thing to do, if you don't have experience, partner up with a more experienced manager. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, are there, like, management agencies? Like, how would an artist... How would a new artist find a new manager? What's, See, what's that's that? the weird part. It's it's like finding a booking agent. It just people find. I always tell people, people find you if you. I mean, as corny as that sounds, that's the reality. Okay. You okay. never. You, you can't really. To go out looking for a manager is kind of like I don't know. Most managers like they find artists. Okay. Like let you know they're more on it than a label. You know what I mean. And and as far as like signing talent goes. Um, is it more based on uh, the potential of an artist or is it more based on this artist already has traction and already has a following? Uh, it depends. It's a little bit of all that. It could be if if they have traction, then you might do a deal based on that. Or, But for me, it's not about, it's more so about like potential. Okay. Because if you because the traction you'll get traction if you're really dope anyway. You know what I mean? Well, well let me take that back. Yeah, was, let uh, me take that because <laughs> a lot of whack shit gets traction. No, but what I'm saying is the real real things kind of like they may not be immediate in your face because because a lot of times whack stuff is in your face. You see it and you're just like, oh okay, that looks big, but it's really not big. Whereas some something that's real may be a slow build. Okay. I like to watch the slow build. I like the slow build better than the immediate. Well, the slow build is going to be sustainable. Exactly. Like, I always say this about Jay-Z. Why Jay-Z is my favorite rapper and why Jay-Z's managed to be successful mm-hmm. is Jay-Z never owned a moment in time. Damn, that's real. He never owned a moment. That's there was, There was never a period when the, the Biggie... The Biggie era, 
mm-hmm. in New York. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the bad boy era in New York mm-hmm. with Puffy, Mace. Mm-hmm. He was never the hot rapper in New York, right? Then you get to like the late 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. So now Biggie's gone and Pac's gone. And now you have Ja, Scorching. Mm-hmm. You got Nelly, Scorching. Uh, Jay's just around. Jay hovers around that three million, hit you with five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? While Ja and, and 50. And DMX. DMX, DMX. Hit, hitting seven, 10, DMX 8 mil on fire, scorching. Girl. Then you fast forward to like the two, like early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Ye was scorching. Eminem was scorching. I didn't even break down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jay just always manages to be relevant mm-hmm. and just keep that slow burn going. And even Jay's to this day. Best. Jay's the best. He knows how to move in a room. He, he does. He's, he's a genius. Nigel, man, well, I, I think personally from, from viewing you, you have a good, I feel like the, the manager is kind of like, um, kind of like the bass player in a band. Mm-hmm. The, and I think you have like, you have bass player vibes. <laughs> you know what I mean? The bass player is always the guy. Uh-huh. Lay back. Lay back. Chill. Cool. Uh-huh. Organized. Type of guy to go home to his wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 like likes the rock star life, but still has, like, a successful marriage. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, but I think that kind of what is, is what makes you a special manager. For me, too, you know what it is? It's a deeper thing because I really care about music and I care about artists. And I really care about the rich history of black music. And that's what really drives me, you know what I mean? Because I really care about where it, where we're going and where it's been, you know? Well, Nigel, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. You are that dude. <laughs> you are you are a true silent giant. It's such an honor having you here. Oh, thanks for having the me. First, I, I got shot down the first time. <laughs> nah, man, I don't talk. <laughs> He's like, I don't I don't speak. I don't speak. <laughs> so to have you on the show is an extreme honor, Nigel. Very grateful to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. You that dude. So next time. Next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.